podcast is sponsored by Ulrich and Short. Are you looking to reformulate and simplify your products to meet consumer demands? Ulrich and Short are designers and suppliers of clean and plant-based functional ingredients. Helping food manufacturers to solve process challenges, simplify label declarations and improve nutritional profiles. To speak to a development technologist, visit www.cleanlabelingredients.com. Welcome to the O for Food's Sake podcast, where we unwrap the joys and struggles of working in the food industry so you can thrive in what you do best while sustaining a rewarding and fulfilling career or business. We are your hosts. Lucy Wager, food industry consultant, and Amy Wilkinson, food industry coach. We've worked in the food industry for the last 20 years, and we're here to share with you the benefit of our hindsight. Our podcast is for you to find new ways to cope with the daily struggles, but mostly to inspire you to work on what's not working to ultimately improve your career or business long term. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Over Food's Sake. Today we have a special guest with us, Bethan Grills, who is the editor of Food Manufacture. Hi Bethan. Hello, I like the idea that I'm a special guest. (laughs) You're very special. We were very excited to get you on. We were very excited to see you become the editor of Food Manufacture because we met you a couple of years ago when we first started our podcast. And then, yeah, yeah so, so it was, was it just before Christmas that you moved across the food manufacture? It was the start of December. And then three days in, I was in a, at Paris for an event. So, you know, oh, wow. Wow. in the deep end. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best way. It's the best way. It is. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's been great, though. And, and thank you. Yeah, it's so nice to connect with you guys because um, I had you on, on our podcast, um, yes. not our podcast, but my previous publications um, podcast. So it's, it's strange to be in the not in the driver's seat. <laughs> and and we literally just started out because we say so we had absolutely no clue what we were doing. And we yeah. still don't really, but you know, we, we all have a lovely time and people seem to like listening. So that's good. <laughs> so, so, Beth, tell us. Tell us a bit about yourself, your background, you know, you're in, you're, you, well, I know a bit about your background, but, you know, it's a little bit different for listeners because a lot of people are, you know, kind of working in food manufacturing, we were saying how we get the name of the publication mixed up with the thing, um, food manufacturing or grocery that listen to this, but obviously you are a journalist, but you've been lots of other things, haven't you? So tell us all about your career history. Yeah, we love hearing about people's um, backgrounds and their path to their current career. So tell us all about it. Yeah, absolutely. How long you got? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll, I'll do the short version. So um, I'd always wanted to be a writer. Um, it was, you know, I started out just with my, my grand's typewriter. I was always kind of writing the way, but it was actually um, more creative writing that I'd sort of envisioned myself going into. Um, and that's what I sort of pursued throughout sort of my um, academic years, I suppose. Um, I ended up getting a scholarship for my first year of university to write for the screen. And, um, you know, it was really, really great. And I, when I came out, it was in a recession, actually. And I remember my first job was editing videos 
And it was something I always enjoyed. I kind of liked doing the writing element, editing the videos. And I think that sort of shows in what I um, I do now, because a lot of um, a lot of what I did for my previous publication and a lot of what I'm doing now is also presenting um, and, and kind of putting these videos together as well as content creation. Hmm. Uh-huh. So uh, that was my first sort of role. And I got into to SEO, um, so search engine optimization, writing. And when I was sort of tasked with writing a hundred different versions of the same thing, um, I sort of thought to myself, "Crikey, I, I think I think I need to do something else." Um, and I seem to remember you wrote, I remember you telling me it was a really yeah. dull subject area yeah. as well. It's a, it's a bit of a far far throw from the creative writing adventure that you're on. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I just thought to myself, okay, um, you know, I'll, it was it was a really it was really good fun because I got to write about lots of different topics. But I just thought, you know what, I'm going to start trying to do this freelance. Whilst I was freelancing, I got into teaching as well. So I'm actually a qualified teacher. Um, I think that does sometimes help when you're, I'm standing up in front of um, a big crowd because. Um, no one is scarier than uh, a group of 30 <laughs> teenagers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, put me in good stead for uh, standing up and talking and, and delivering speeches and also trying to get a room motivated. And then I, I sort of, I, I, you know, decided I wasn't too keen on kids. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was fine it was just you know it was it was sort of you know I was I was writing less and less and I was doing more kind of crowd control and I didn't really see myself going into to the line of work of a sort of prison officer which is what kind of teaching is and um so I decided in the end to to go back into writing full time and actually not to do it freelance and I ended up getting a job at a heating and plumbing title and wow. that, I know, yeah, wow. <laughs> that was so like enthusiastic. That's that actually was the reaction from many people. You know, really, you're going to give up teaching. You know, well-paid teaching. That's how job. bad teaching is. That's how bad teaching is. Yeah, yeah. You're going to give that up. You're going to give up the freelancing, and you're going to take a take a significant pay cut and go into trade publications. You're going to go into heating and plumbing, which you don't know anything about. Beth, that was what I got. Yes. Yes, I'll do that. Yeah, cool. You know, that'll be fine. And it was, and it was great. And it was a really fun community, actually. If um, if you get on Twitter, the the heating and plumbing engineers, they are having a having a ball on Twitter. Um, so you know, who knew? Really, who knew? I know, I know. And it was really, really great fun. And I learned, you know, I learned so much about trade journalism. And I was working under, um, I must give him a shout out, Tim Wood. It was a fantastic editor. He taught me so, so much. And then through that, I just sort of worked my way up the ranks and, um, you know, worked on various publications, electronics title. And then I ended up at New Food uh, and I managed to get into the leadership role there. So um, as editor and I worked there for four years and it was it was brilliant it was so so great and you know I took in took stock of what I'd learned from you know the various roles the various writing roles I'd had the various editors I'd sort of been mentored by and as I said we just had our award ceremony actually for food manufacture the uh, food manufacturer excellence awards as I said in the speech there this is by far the most interesting industry the best industry and uh, better than plumbing. 
<laughs> the engineers won't like that because they, they still will follow me on Twitter. Oh. <laughs> but, you know, it's really interesting that you say that because when we're doing the podcast, I often say things like, well, you know, it's different in the food industry. And, you know, and I think, is that real? Or do I just think that because I, this is all I've ever known? So I really like it when somebody that's had like a lot of experience outside of the food industry says something like that, because I think it's true. And it's really good when it's said by someone that has, you know, a broader experience <laughs> and yeah. isn't so biased. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's also just, it's so, I mean, obviously we need, we need things like heating and plumbing and, and not to, you know, to say that isn't relevant, but you know, food and drink is just like we need it to live you know mm-hmm. yeah. it's, it's never going anywhere it's such a you know I, I saw that in the pandemic when we were still you yeah. know I think our numbers went up in terms of, yeah. of readership um and yeah it's just been such a pleasure to you know join food manufacturer you know the pretty much the leading title in in UK um food and drink um trade and it's just it's yeah, it's been incredible. And I'm just, I'm really, really honoured because it's not been an easy journey, I have to say. You know, I've not had the, hard, the hardest journey, but it hasn't, there's been things, you know, obstacles I've had to overcome as well. Mm-hmm. We, you know, but it's it's been, it's been fantastic. And it's, as I said, yeah, the best industry. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I'm, I'm like thinking, do we delve into those obstacles now? Yeah, or do we I talk just, about food? Uh, yeah. I, I, I was just going to leap in. And you did say we could ask you anything, but... <laughs> You can ask me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I so might tell, not have an answer. <laughs> tell us, tell us about some of the obstacles that you've faced in over the course yeah, of your career. Yeah. So, I mean, I had, I mean, I, I had a happy childhood, but I also had quite a difficult one because um, my my mum was um, suffered with extreme depression, mm-hmm. and um, you know that 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 was that was difficult growing up and I don't know whether it's an inheritory thing it's not something I've really researched into but I do suffer with anxiety myself and unfortunately that manifests um as obsessive compulsive disorder or OCD mm-hmm. um so it has been really really difficult and I, I recently did an interview with BBC Kent actually on sort of the stigmatism around um mental health and and specifically OCD mm-hmm. um which for some reason is a lot of people just use as a as an adjective to sort of you know yeah. you know just describe certain things and um it's something I'm really trying to push against because you wouldn't hear that about anything else p- particularly yeah people um, kind of go oh I'm a bit OCD and yeah, that yeah. is not yeah. true <laughs> and there is there is a there is a very limited understanding of actually what OCD can encompass. Obviously, it can be things like extreme tidying and, and hand washing, but it can also be things like intrusive thoughts, which is very, very difficult to deal with. So um, you sort of got a voice in your head pretty much <clears throat> telling you that you can't do it or telling you awful things, putting awful things into your into your mind. I mean, there's more. De- I delve into more details, as I said, at the um, in the BBC um, interview on that, but yeah it's really really it's really bad i mean think sort of imposter syndrome but to sort of 10 times worse mm-hmm. yeah and that that's been that's been really really difficult to to manage but i think sort of my my words of encouragement to anyone sort of struggling with a mental health condition is that um you can do it mm-hmm. and you know i think a really good piece of advice i read um years ago was to and it's something I try and do myself is talk to yourself as you would your best friend yeah so just yeah. be kind to yourself because I think yeah. even with people that aren't 
suffering with um, a condition like OCD or, you know, anxiety, I do think as women, we do have a tendency to put ourselves down. You know, there was Mm -hmm. research to say that women suffer with imposter syndrome far more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why that is. I don't know why we're so hard on ourselves. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, it it is, it is difficult sometimes being a, a woman in a, in a, I say I say a male dominated actually food manufacturer. We are mostly women. Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah. That's yeah. Quite, that's really interesting because the industry is not. I no, mean, it, it, no. well, it, and in a leadership, yeah, yeah, pockets of it are. Aren't yeah. They? yeah, yeah. So um, that was that was great, you know, for me. <laughs> I mean, I think I think you know having a, a a diverse team is 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 fantastic. But it was yeah, it was just really because you get then diversity of thought. But it was just really unusual just to be like wow. You know, mm. we're pretty much all women. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, after being in such male-dominated industries for well, pretty much Forever. my whole yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, that's been that's been really um, really refreshing. I yeah. Suppose. And do you feel like this is? I'm just interested to know. So, with the OCD and mm. it just with mental health in general, do you? You might not even have an answer for this. I'm just sort of putting it out there as debate. Do you feel like you you feel more supported in a female environment than you would in a male dominated one? Or do you It's very difficult because I although I talk about my mental health more now and I wouldn't deny to anyone that asked me, I don't volunteer it in a yeah. generally mm. unless it's something, you know, we're talking about and issues and trying to wear, raise awareness. Um I have no doubt that the team I'm in would be supportive. They have been very, very supportive of my endometriosis. God, I should really get a tiny little violin out, shouldn't I? I'm really. <laughs> I, but I have a, I have a, I have a chronic condition um, called endometriosis, which is is sort of gaining um, more attention mm-hmm. now, um, and it's essentially um, a sort of a period related condition where um essentially the i'm probably going to get this wrong but the and this is this is why because no one no one really knows about endometriosis mm. um where the lining of your womb grows in other places and it can be very very painful it can cause yeah. lots of kind of mm. really really awful kind of symptoms and i was actually um hospitalized over the christmas period so mm-hmm. i think it was death oh. boxing day i ended up in hospital um, and I was watching the fire. I was watching the the New Year fireworks through the through the oh. window of the hospital. Like, oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, but you know, I was you know so new to to this job, and the team was so so supportive. So I have no doubt that they would be supportive to me. But I don't think that's I don't think that's a woman thing because my line manager is is male, and mm. you know, and I think it it's just it's just a person thing, isn't it? And yeah. I think that by talking about things like this, talking about things that normally are taboo, like OCD, like periods and endometriosis. Mm-hmm. Nearly said when normal. you said periods, yeah. I was like, oh my God, she said the P word. <laughs> I know. That's, that's, that's the problem, isn't it? People don't want to talk about these things, but by talking about them, you normalize them and then you can kind of foster these environments in workplaces where people do take you know they are mindful of it and they are sympathetic and it clearly and and feeling like you can talk about it and be open clearly hasn't held you back in progressing in your career Mm. and that's what (laughs) <laughs> well, 
no, but there's, well, it's, it's like anything, isn't it? There's a time and a place. It's not. It's not like you're sitting in an interview going well and I've got re- like I have this period problem <laughs> do you know uh, I am quite an oversharer <laughs> I thought you were a great guest for this podcast we love a bit of oversharing I did say that I did say that no, but you know no, it's, I was gonna go say on. normally I'm I'm talking about my cats <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I've got a, I've got a uh, you know a cat, Mr. Marshmallow. Here he is. Do you want to see him? And it's like, Beth, can we get on with the interview? Yeah, in a minute. <laughs> we did in the um, when we had a call last week. You were like, uh, we'd had a, a lovely little chat, and then you were like, um, do you want me to go and get the cat? And I was like, no, I need to go and pick my daughter up. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We should have all had our cats on on here, so we could we could show the listeners our three cats, didn't we? Really, four. I've also four. got bear grills. Oh, very cool! Yeah, I obviously. Didn't name him. It was given to me. It was fate. It was really. A, That's yeah. amazing. I know. So Beth and Grills has a cat called Bear Grills. I do. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> I feel like we're getting a little bit off topic. Slightly now. off topic. <laughs> yeah. Can we talk about food? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. So, so you've obviously worked in food now for you know a few years, and like you say, you're now at the the sort of top publication in food and drink in the UK. What are you? What What are you seeing as the trends coming through in food, or the big the big issues, I guess, in food at the yeah. minute? Yeah. I think one of the big issues at the moment is well, there's a, I mean, there's a few. That's why food and drink is never boring. So it's always there's always challenges. There's always issues to talk about. Um, but one of the things is um, it was described to me in a very apt way, actually, like a um, the, the 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 fire triangle, and it was um, how do food manufacturers balance food security? with food safety, with sustainability, mm. because they are all is equally important. And obviously, if one doesn't deliver, the fire goes out, right? Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So how do, you, how do you deliver on all of those? And I've been reliably informed it's not impossible, but it's okay. very, very difficult. So yeah. that's, the, that's the big issue at the moment. And at Food Manufacturer, we're doing a lot around food security at the moment, but it's, it's, you know, I think these terms are, you know, getting into sort of the linguistics of it, the, these terms are overlapping. You know, I, I, I spoke uh-huh. to someone the other day about um, sustainability and we started talking about violation, actually, human violation on it within the marine environment and essentially kind of modern slavery. And, and I said to them, but would you say that's sustainability? And they said, absolutely. And I, I think these meanings have sort of, they started, mm. started to merge into 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 one they've all started to take on new meanings as well um, yeah incredibly fascinating yeah we've we've we did a whole episode on sustainability and it's and it's a huge topic mm. and you've just we need of, to do more don't we because yeah because of all the nuances in it yeah because it's it it's it's a word that's used quite flippantly at times and everybody wants to have a sustainability story but it's it's just not that easy and it's very complicated and it's a huge topic with lots of different you know options really and of of what a business could focus on and what their sustainability message could be and it and then it's it is sort of really linked to then the food safety of those products or 
that business and the the, the food security of all the you know so they're, they're sort of all intrinsically linked and that's why it's it's a really it's a really good idea to have it as that triangle that you mentioned because they are all so linked and yeah, dependent absolutely. on each other yeah i mean there's there was someone that said to me that in terms of sustainability how, how did they phrase it they said the s word is getting in the way of the h word they've become and h word being um health and mm. they said they become so entangled and we need to detangle them because you know i'm not the i, I mean they, they said i'm not the one to solve sustainability but i can solve health and another person this was at a, a business leaders event that we host it's under chatham house rules which is why i'm being so elusive with who said what Okay. And mysterious. <laughs> and, um, and someone else she said, gets I don't... all the inside track. <laughs> someone else said, I don't think you can entangle them. They have become tangled. And I think that's also what's happened with, with other elements. As you said, one thing affects the other. So yeah. um, climate change affects food safety. One of the big things I'm hearing about. Um, but I don't know if it's actually widely I'm gonna it probably is widely recognized but a few people I've spoken to are like really is that a thing as the climates are changing we're seeing mycotoxins appearing in places they wouldn't normally be so what you're Mm -hmm. getting are massive food safety issues where you ordinarily wouldn't have had them um and they're affecting crops now obviously we're seeing not you know it's still a a niche market, but we are seeing an uptick in plant-based. The more kind of crops that are affected with mycotoxins, the more plant-based foods people are eating, that's going to become a, a big food safety issue mm. in the future. And, you know, that's that's linked with, with sustainability because it's linked with climate change, it's linked with food safety. You know, okay, then you can't get the crops because, um, you know, they're not, they, the levels of toxins are high enough. That's linked with food security. So, yeah. you know, they all, they all do start to, to connect with one another and you know and I think that food producers are they can't see the wood for the trees there's Mm. so many things happening right now yeah and it was and I can say this it was um Tim Benton of Chatham House who recently said at a food foundation event um that basically the UK specifically is locked in a in a vicious cycle um of kind of um, overproduction of intense agriculture mm. of all of the again all of this triangle and what we actually need to do is go back to basics and work out the fundamentals and build in more resilience into our supply chain um because that's what that's for years have revealed really is that the supply chain is incredibly fragile in the uk yeah mm. yeah but it's very it's so hard to do that because how do you stop that cycle you know how do you go back without you know, leaving people unable to to buy things because, and I know we're we're, we're finding ourselves in that position anyway now mm-hmm. because the supply chain is is broken. Yeah, but it's really hard because we've 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 found ourselves in this position because we've been increasing and increasing and increasing the amount that we're supplying. And I'd liken it to an electric car, right? An electric car is better for the environment, okay, but we don't have the infrastructure mm. in a lot of places to to use them, nor do we have the, the the cost or anything. So what you actually need to do is go back to the beginnings. But as you said, that's easier said than done, right? Mm. And I think that that's going to take cross-collaboration from a lot of different parties, but you won't get anywhere 
unless the government intervene. The government mm. need to do yeah. something. Um, I know, and I was having this conversation with somebody else the other day, actually somebody else that we're going to get on the podcast, and that saying that the risk is that the government leave that too late like you say, it needs to be a coordinated response and the government needs to do it, but they won't do it until it's like a crisis point. And we're, we're pretty much at that crisis point and they're uh-huh. not doing it. It's a bit of a worry, really. Yeah, wasn't wasn't the Collins Dictionary word of the year permacrisis? Oh, God. You know, it's kind of a sign. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, so flippantly. I mean, she, she, she's, she brought a violin telling us about a day. <laughs> young years, and now she's telling us we're not going to have anything to eat. I know. I am. Um, we used to joke, um, my my old colleague and I, when we, we were doing the podcast, that we were like the doom and gloom podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'd be like, well, see you later. <laughs> we, we often do that. We like talk yeah. about something really, really like heavy, and then we're like, see you next week. <laughs> But like all of the challenges I'm saying, as I said, you know, they're not impossible to achieve. They just require cross collaboration. And yes, the food yeah. sector is doing some really, really great work. Um, but we, yeah, we just need everyone to work together. That It's tricky, but it's not impossible. It's not yeah. the doing And there's organisations, isn't there, like the Future Food Movement that are doing stuff in this arena and trying to coordinate some sort of response. And that seems yeah. to have grown quite a lot quite quickly. So there's obviously a need. And there's... You know, there are key people in the industry and I, I can see it just even from, you know, my connections on LinkedIn and stuff that are really trying to pioneer and, and get that coordinated response together. And actually, when we spoke to Andy uh, Wright from Greencore, he came on to talk about sustainability. He was saying the same thing. You know, we can't be working in silos on this. There's mm-hmm. got to be, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, a coordinated plan. Yeah, interestingly that you brought the Future Food Movement up because they did a, um, they undertook a really cool study. Um, <laughs> cool study, I'm such a nerd. Um, they, <laughs> and basically they, they interviewed 100 business leaders in the food sector and they found that I think it was 15%, it um, wasn't very many, um, of business leaders in our sector were able to, said that they could confidently articulate their net zero strategy mm. wow yeah that's what i'm saying like i i yeah. think there's so many different issues going on that right now it's you know it's like a jack of all trades master of none yeah. in some yeah. circumstances not every every circumstance but you know that's really understandable because there's just we've basically i mean we've left climate change to a point everyone keeps saying to me you know it's a don't look up kind of thing yeah and we've left climate change to a point where um, we've ignored it for so long that it's become a massive, massive issue. And that hasn't, you know, that, like other things, you know, that are way outside the food sector's control too. We've left them to the point that they've become a bit of a mess. And mm. certain things that no one could predict, I don't think, you know, like a pandemic, yeah, war in Europe, maybe people could have predicted that, but, you know, it's still... Um, still something that you know I was so surprised when I heard yeah. um, and the, all these all these things that have happened in quick succession haven't yeah. helped and I just think you know right now it's like it's like when you're starting an essay and you're just like where where the hell do I start you <laughs> yeah. know but you've uh, just got to start you yeah. just something has to be the the beginning yeah exactly <laughs> exactly 
Done but, is yeah. better than perfect. Yeah. But we've got to get doing stuff. That's the point. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to stop the right. analogies. <laughs> yeah. I love I'm going to try repeating them and fail miserably. I feel like I need to say something about the electric car analogy because Lucy's got an electric car and she's often like, I've just had to stop. I'm just going to be a little bit late because I just had to charge the car. And I'm like, there you go. You know, it's not my electric car. I I love my electric car and it it is fit for purpose. You just have to plan. Well, that's the, yeah, they're they're not fit for your purpose then, hey, Lucy. Definitely not fit for me. (laughs) I can't. My planning stops with everyone's like, "Oh, you're so organised at work." In my in my personal life, I'm like, yeah. late to everything, forget everything. It just yeah, I just completely like a sieve unless it's related to food food manufacture. I'm just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> What's going on? Who am I? <laughs> so that would be the worst thing for me ever, having to like, can't oh, just plan a journey. I'd love an electric car, but I just I'm just not equipped for it. <laughs> no, let's wait for them to have more charging points. <laughs> <laughs> you do that so so we've talked about the food security bit of it i know when we um were talking last week one of the the other big issues that you were talking about that you'd seen coming up was the struggle to get people the recruitment issues oh, in the my industry goodness. yeah massive massive issue and that's not something new that's something that's been going on for years and years and years we did a poll on food manufacturers linkedin actually quite recently and we were just to ask the readers you know what do you think why is it so difficult to get people in you know in the sector and then retain them and incidentally um john paul formerly um ifst um chair he um he and i have started a column together um called (laughs) the talent pool (laughs) 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 because i love a pun Um, (laughs) about about these issues about why is it so difficult to get young people in because you know these are these are the future leaders without Mm -hmm. these people we aren't gonna have i'm really sorry i'm doing the doom and gloom again but we aren't gonna have a food sector because you know there's not gonna be anyone to lead it and you know what what John and I are doing is we're going to business leaders and we're we're asking them for tips around um you know leadership around coaching around retention um but it's it's been a it's been a massive massive issue and that LinkedIn poll that we did the majority of people said it was because it was perceived to be um not a particularly glamorous sector mm-hmm. now how to solve that perhaps that's where automation comes into play um there are you know quite repetitive roles within the sector there are mm. very kind of hostile environments in the sense of you know very cold yeah um, cold and wet and, yeah. yeah and, and mm. yeah and you know not kind of a, those that's those kind of the thing that people would generally perceive about the food industry but it's not all mm. like that so you know does automation come in there where um you get robots or machinery that can do those those tasks that can work in those those kind of environments and then you create more sort of um you create jobs that only humans can do where you need that human interaction Mm. and you know and and then and then you start getting kind of um people really interested in technology it starts becoming a bit more uh Hmm. I don't know, just a little bit yeah, more attractive to like yeah. people that are like geeky and, and engineers and, and that sort of yeah, thing. I mean, yeah. and there are some businesses that are highly automated, but sometimes like I've been to a couple of businesses recently and I like I, I'm sick of just being in the training room. So I'm like, can I get back? Can I go and have a look in the factory? Because like I really miss going in factories. 
And I'm still really surprised by some of the stuff that is done by hand. You're just like, mm. but but it's because there isn't the, the automation, you know, the automation in place that takes enough people out to justify the cost kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there but needs I, to be more of I think that we need a rebrand though, right? I don't think it's mm, I don't think yeah. it's all automation. There's certainly a place for automation, but I do think you know, like car companies going back to those pesky cars and um, the engineers, <laughs> that's way, you know, all come work on a, you know, a car engine. You know, it's it's mm. got something a little bit more enticing about it. So we just need to we need to understand younger people. I think that's yeah. the first mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Um what what they're interested in and then we need to give it a bit of an update and say, okay, you're interested in that. Did you know that you can do this in the food sector? And just, yeah, and just make it a bit more glamorous. And shows like Inside the Factory are obviously helping to do that, um, you know, Mm. by showcasing what goes on. But I just just think there, yeah, there just needs to be a a bit of a rebrand. Yeah. 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 And I do, I, I don't know, would you agree? I do think there are some there's some stuff around like in manufacturing in particular, it can be quite difficult because, you know, shift patterns. I know like, for instance, um, around here where I live, I'm near all the kind of Lincolnshire um, food manufacturers and stuff. A lot of them through the pandemic were really struggling to get people in and they actually had to change the shift patterns so that people could drop their kids at school or, you know, like there's there's a lack of flexibility and in this new world post-pandemic world where you can get jobs working from home you can do this and and the other why would I want to go and work Mm. and it's not even the jobs in the factory you know there's the it's almost the there's still a mentality in support functions that people need to be on site and and that can be lack lack and flexibility yeah, I mean there were COVID did give way I mean the silver silver lining of of such a difficult few years was obviously the flexibility that we we you know have now been given but in terms of the food sector that that can be hard I mean obviously they were you know the the people that still had to go in Mm. but you know the pandemic did reveal certain ways maybe other ways of doing things like remote auditing and and things like that it is going to be I think a sector that remains quite imperative that you do go in but I suppose it's about it's about as I said it's about sort of saying these are kind of the the way in the career path, I suppose. Mm, yeah. You know, the fact that you, you can go into something that doesn't have to be within, yeah. you know, the the, the lines. Um, yeah, because it's not every role. It's not every no, function that no, needs and to I, be in. And, and I think that's what people associate it with. Yeah. Not there's anything wrong with that. That's such a crucial role. And there will be people that do yeah. enjoy those kind of things. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, it needs to – you need to be able to kind of um, – show that that career path and the other things the other elements i mean i ended up in the food industry i you know i'm not working yeah. on it i'm I'm doing something completely different i'm yes. doing something really yeah. really creative yeah. and i think you know people need to they don't always see these other other ways in which you exactly. can get in, can get involved and i mean there's fantastic things that you can do like life-changing things so i know that uh, some people that i know and and um and helped kind of build like uh, constructions like facilities for like drinking water and things like that mm. you know working with fair share and you know mm. what an incredible opportunity to to do something so worthwhile and so yeah. helpful and I think it's yeah it, it's such a huge industry and I just don't think people are aware of just how enormous it is no. and all of the different roles and areas that you can work in 
you just think you think food manufacturing, you think of a freezing cold wet factory. <laughs> yeah. And that's why we <laughs> always so much more to it. <laughs> it's why we always ask people to to share their career journeys because we know yeah. we have students that listen that are, you know, food students. But we want to get people that aren't just food students as well. And that's the point, isn't it? Yeah, like it you've is. kind of made the decision already by the time you're a food student, but actually we need loads more people than that yeah. coming into the industry. And I, I always say this, I always find it amazing that you know, I've got like I've got step stepdaughters who are late teens and I've got nephews. And even those people that are closest to me, they don't, they still don't understand it. And <laughs> my stepdaughter has been doing some work experience for me. And so to sort of get her engaged in my world, I'd asked her to listen to a few of the podcasts. And she was like, oh, I'm actually really enjoying listening to these podcasts. It's, I, it's really interesting. Like, the I'm actually enjoying like, Yeah. I was like, well, yes, I know. It's, I've been trying to tell you this for years. <laughs> So we need more young people to listen to read food manufacture and listen to the podcast. Absolutely. It's our job to glamorize this amazing industry that we work in. And I'm trying to do it with by one TikTok story at a time. <laughs> I think that I think that's it though. I think um what again, one of the things um that was mentioned at our business leader events was um having an influencer getting on TikTok and having mm. someone, you know, within the Gen Z um generation to actually shout out about it in a way that speaks to to the younger generation mm-hmm. um you know it's it's very it's very difficult as a you know as a millennial for example i can't i don't know how gen i can't think like gen z um mm-hmm. so having someone that from that generation to you know to actually spearhead it would be fantastic mm-hmm. particularly in a way in which you're so popular um of how we're sort of um I suppose uh, absorbing information at the moment. Um, although yeah. I, I did say at the event, TikTok is a time sink. <laughs> I'm like, oh, two oh, hours. Yeah. <laughs> <I know. laughs> scroll, scroll. And most of my TikToks are about cats. So <laughs> <laughs> that's not going to help glamorize the food industry. <laughs> Maybe cats with food. Cats with food. <laughs> yeah, cats with food. I did. I did get. I did get my cat to pose with um, my old magazine once. So maybe I'll, I'll start doing. <laughs> 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 so have you been so since you've been at food manufacturer so a few months now are you shaking things up are you I, I'm, I'm seeing I don't know if it's become because it's you and I'm therefore more aware of it but seeing more video content you've, you've um, relaunched the podcast and stuff like that is is that part of the plan to sort of make the oh, content absolutely, more yeah, shake things up, <laughs> cause, <laughs> cause a scene. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I've got it. You know, you as an editor, you've got to put your mark on it. When mm-hmm. when you're in it, I mean, I firmly believe when you're an editor of the magazine, that magazine becomes your almost like your personality. You know, you become the face of it, and you've got to put your stamp on it. Mm-hmm. And as I said, you know, going back to like my my roots, <laughs> like I like love love kind of the video um, element and. Um, I, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of what I, I, I wanted to bring into the, into the publication. And, you know, food manufacturer, like a lot of uh, William Reed um, brands has gone digital only. And so we need to, we need to embrace the various ways in which we can deliver content. But yeah, I mean, I hope I'm shaking things up in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are from my point of view. I'm, I'm now thinking, oh, is she going to be on TikTok next, like pointing at things or whatever? <laughs> 
I I would love to bring food manufacturer on TikTok. Um, and you know, it is it is part of the grand plan at some point. But you, you know, we'll um we'll we'll shake things up on the social channels that we have, and then we'll we'll start introducing the new ones. But yeah, I mean, we've we've relaunched the the, the podcast, so um. And, you know, we're doing lots of video. We're doing uh, a sort of, I suppose it's a bit like inside the factory. We're doing, um, we used to have a, a print article called Me and My Team that was obviously done before before I joined. And it was, it was, it was really, really good. A really, really good feature. Everyone loved it. And um, when I came on board, I had a look through kind of the old archives, what we kind of used to do. And I was like, that, that is fantastic. How can we make that relevant to this kind of, I suppose, visual era that we're in now, this video era, you know, where mm. we're all on kind of things like TikTok and we want information quick. And so what I thought was, right, rather than doing a feature and writing something, we'll go to the factories, we'll take a camera and we'll we'll talk to the teams and, you know, we'll say, talk us through the operations, we'll talk to the, the people working there. And hopefully, you know, that might also yeah. be seen by some younger people as well encourage yeah. them show them what it's all about and we'll talk to the business leaders too you know what's it take to run a run a team you know what are your focuses um and really show people what it's like yeah. in the factory um you know and how people how people run things and deal with difficult challenges because at the end of the day you know we are we are read by the food producer and you know and they're a community and what we want to do is kind of give them some we want to inform them, we want to educate them, we want them to, to collaborate, to give helpful tips. So hopefully that will that will do that. Yeah, I was when you were saying that, I was, I was thinking that that also really helps with that collaborative approach that we were talking about before, doesn't it? Like opening doors, you know, it's not all about hiding things and, you know, it's almost like embracing competition as well, isn't it? And And seeing how yeah. we can all work together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm actually I'm heading to Leicester uh, next week. This isn't for me and my team. We, we've got a food security week, actually, the 20th to the 24th of March. Ooh. And as part of that, I'm putting together a very a mini documentary, I'm calling oh, it, cool. <laughs> um, which is about, you know, why can't the UK solve food insecurity and I'm going and I'm talking to lots of different people and I'm heading to to Leicester and um I was talking with the the comms team and they was they said you know you must make sure you bring your wellies and make sure you're not wearing any nail varnish you know no fake Mm -hmm. nails anything like that when you go in there and they said we'll have to sanitize all of your equipment I was like okay (laughs) it's gonna be such a great learning experience because I joined the food industry very shortly after I think it was six months and then the pandemic happened. Yeah. So yeah. there have been people that I've been working with for four years that I've only just met in person. Yeah. yeah. Wow. You know, so I've not had the opportunity really to go in into the factories because they've all been, you know, yeah. not off yeah. limits. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, I think this is going to be it's going to be a really really great opportunity for me as well because um you know because I'm always learning too and yeah. I think that's something else I like about the industry is that they're always open to you know there's no sort of oh, you don't know that, or, you know, it's very much about, oh, you don't know that? Oh, let me tell you about that. Yeah, I was going to say, you're going to get so welcomed. There's nothing. I always love going on factory tours because people are so proud of their factories. And, and, you know, I used to always love going around on customer visits because you got, like, the real, like, red carpet rolled out. Actually, recently, when I've done a few, they're like, (laughs) I've been shown around by, like, the MPD manager or whatever, and they're like, oh, this is a visitor, but don't worry, she's not important. I'm like, all right, okay. (laughs) (laughs) 
don't worry it's not a retailer it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> obviously you've got very exciting times ahead for you yeah yeah no we've got got some really really exciting things coming up i'm so i am so so excited for the food security week i mean it's been a lot of work mm-hmm. so what's happening in that that sounds really exciting tell us what's happening in that week and how people can get involved and what yeah, we're gonna see yeah. so on the monday we've got the documentary coming out so that's the 20th of march so um i'm talking to the likes of like the british meat processors association um fdf and um, we've got long and farms that's a farm in leicester i'm going mm-hmm. to we've got westaway sausages involved and um, we had anna taylor from the food Foundation. Foundation, Tim Benton from Chatham House. So they've all sort of come together. Um, and uh, I sort of uh, was traveling around, sort of meet all of them, and as I, you know, as I just said, sort of still filming um, to find out about things like um, what, you know, why haven't we solved it? What's kind of the um, the crux of, of food security? And a lot of what I'm finding out about is, is of, it's to do with kind of climate change as well and soil health. Um, and Charles and I sort of were saying, you know, it's not a matter of don't look up, it's a matter of don't look down. At the minute, mm. you know, we need to start looking down at our soil and our soil health. Um, so that's that's day one. Uh, the Tuesday, we have a live um, virtual panel um, and we're talking about, you know, if things don't work out, you know, if t- temperatures are going to continue to climb, if, you know, if, uh, our soils um, do, you know, we've lost I think it's like 60% of all topsoil um, across the globe. Um, if things do continue on that trajectory, what happens then? How we start to produce food in the, in the future? We've got amazing guests. You know, we've got a, a traditional farmer, but we've also got um, our farms. They are talking about food in space. Um, mm. It's going to be really, really fascinating. Mm. You know, cultivated meat and all sorts. Um, the Wednesday, we've got an in-person symposium. Um, which is a bit different because, um, you know, we like to do things a bit different uh, here. <laughs> and um, we're uh, we're talking about, you know, what are the elements that make up food um, security and how can you incorporate that into your kind of business strategy and your wider supply chain strategy? And that's going to be a, a panel session. But rather than a traditional Q&A, what we're having is the experts are actually going to do, and I keep being told off for describing it this way, but I can't think of any other way to describe it, speed dating, essentially. <laughs> where we have um, the, the ta- ta- table discussions, really. So you yeah. get to, you know, a table of five, get to question the, the speaker um, mm-hmm. and say, you know, oh, it was a really interesting point. Could you expand on that? Or I have a challenge with this. And then, you know, after 20 minutes, it rotates. So rather than the sort of the other Q&A where not everyone gets to speak, it's really a good opportunity for collaboration within the industry. So that's in London, in person. The Thursday, we've got another uh, webinar and that's sort of um, I've sitting down and having uh, fireside chats um, without a fire. Um, <laughs> maybe I should get like a virtual fire. Fireless chat. Yeah, fireless <laughs> chat. doesn't have the same ring to it. Um, and we're talking about how to maintain a robust supply chain. So again, we've got lots of different experts talking about what they would do because obviously about food security, is it is about accessibility. And mm-hmm. there's loads of different elements that play into that. And then the Friday, I'm giving myself a break and writing an article. Um, which is basically <laughs> it's gonna be really really exciting so um i think the only thing that is sort of on the day is the um the symposium uh, mm-hmm. which is obviously in person in london but the rest of it is you know even though it's going out on the day it's going to be all on demand as well so yeah 
um, okay. so people can catch up. But yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, as I said, it's been a lot of work. I think we looked at the plan and um, everyone sort of looked at me and went, really? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it'll be fine. <laughs> See, that shaking up that she's c- come in and done. Yeah, yeah you're right. we can do that in no time though. at all. Yeah, it does uh, sound uh, really And I think you'll get loads of engagement and interaction on it because it's such yeah. a hot topic. Yeah, I hope so. I really, really hope so. Um, so, you know, there's there's still a few sponsorship opportunities, but we're pretty much there with all the speakers. I think there's maybe one slot left that we're we've got to fill. But it's just been it's it's been fantastic to put together a real challenge. But it's gonna be it's gonna be so interesting to have all of these different minds come together and talk about mm. this very very important topic. Mm. You know, I I can't wait. Brilliant. So people can uh, so just go to the food manufacturer website for details and everything. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Go on the food manufacturer website. Follow me on LinkedIn. I'm always posting something on there, so there'll be details on there. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you can just register, and it's it's completely free. So um, you know, we don't want to put limits on that. Fabulous. Well, it's been so fabulous talking to you today, Beth. We've it loved really hearing has. about everything, particularly yeah. the cats. Um, no, 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 no. I'm, not, I'm not at home because I could go get marshmallow. <laughs> <laughs> I love that name. I love that name. So we've got candy and marshmallow. Yeah, candy floss and a marshmallow. Love it. And a bear grill. And a bear grill. And don't forget my Mimi, but it's not very Mimi. Um, oh, no. you, need to get, you need to get a food name for your cat. Well, Come no, on, but Mimi's, Mimi's cute, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. I didn't let my children name my cat. Okay. Anyway, enough cat talk. <laughs> anyway, we, could go on, we could go on for another episode. <laughs> so is LinkedIn the best place for people to get in contact with you if they would like with to me, chat yeah, to yeah, yeah. They can, um, they can just contact, find me with, uh, you know, full name Beth and Grills. I try not go by um, Beth, cause even though I prefer it. Um, it's just, it is too similar to Bear Grills, which is now <laughs> not only, um, you know, the the... I think I'm not sure if he still is the younger person to climb Mount Everest, um, but also my cat. So um, <laughs> very confusing. Just too similar. It's it's too similar. So um, so yeah, you can you can look me up that way. I'm on Twitter as well, um, or you know, you pop me an email um, over. Um, it's just uh, bethan.grills um, at wrbm.com. That tested me because I was like, oh my goodness, what's my email? <laughs> <laughs> it did very well. You did well. it. Um, yeah, cool. you know, I'm always excited to hear from people about stories or, or anything. So, um, you know, uh, I love the industry getting in touch. Okay, Fabulous. brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank and, you very much, um, Beth. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Oh, fab! And we'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that this has been useful to you. As ever, we would love it if you could rate and review the podcast on your podcast app. It really does help us reach and support more foodies out there. We'd also love it if you'd come and join us in the Facebook group, the O for Food Sake community. And if you want to get in touch with us personally, Lucy is available for consultancy advice and training and can be found on LinkedIn as Lucy Wager. And if you want to reach out to Amy for any one-to-one coaching, group facilitation or training, then contact her on LinkedIn at Amy Wilkinson Coach. Thanks for listening and see you next time. See you next time. This podcast is sponsored by Ulrich and Short. Are you looking to reformulate and simplify your products to meet consumer demands? Ulrich and Short are designers and suppliers of clean and plant-based functional ingredients. Helping food manufacturers to solve process challenges 
simplify label declarations and improve nutritional profiles. To speak to a development technologist, visit www.cleanlabelingredients.com. Mm-hmm.